message from our lead pastor, Michael Signorelli. Prepare to go C1. All right, all right. Everyone stand to your feet with me. We're going to read the word this morning. How many of you are excited for some preaching? No, we're going to have to get loud today. How many of you are excited to hear God's word? Oh, that's better. That's better. You know, am I the only one here that needs a moisturizer to hide the fact that I've been tired since 2005? (laughs) Today's word is for you. I'm going to be talking about the curse words that we let out of our mouth. And here's the words. I'm tired. Am I the only one who said that in the last week? It's funny because there's people who message me every single week who are like, Pastor Mike, are you tapping my phone? Like, you know, how did you know? Are you talking to my friends? Because every time you bring something on Sunday, I feel like it's for me. And you know what it is? It's the Holy Spirit is all up in your business and he's reading your mail. And, and if you are faithful to come and just hear his word for your life, you will see a change. And today he's going to deal with the words, I am tired. I'm wore out. Am I the only one? No. Okay, today is your day. We're going to look at uh, (laughs) Matthew chapter 11. I want to read this while you're still on your feet, okay? Now, this is called a Bible. (laughs) And we gave away 50 in a couple weeks, and we're waiting for more to show up. You can read your Bible digitally. I actually uh, forgot to mention this. We have a Bible in our app for our church as well. So if you download the app for V1 Church, you can also read the Bible from it. Um, but if you, you know, have a, a print old school Bible, I'm going to read this to you. Jesus asked the question in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, are you tired? Yes, God, I am. <laughs> right? Are you worn out? Uh, yeah, God, have you been to Long Island before? We're wore out. He says, come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Man, I feel his presence just washing over the room right now. I'm telling you, I I don't know if you're a first time guest, you just walked into something and maybe this is weird, but I'm not about a performance. I'm not about a show. I'm here to let you meet the one who can give you a real rest. He says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I'll do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Do you feel it? Do you feel it? You may be seated. In your big leather comforter says the Lord. (laughs) And the worship team said, Amen. (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to do when we outgrow this facility because how can I afford $10,000 on leather recliners? Can we just take a second and welcome everyone listening to the podcast right now? In whatever country you are, the second most listened country outside of the U.S. was Germany. Sprechen Sie Deutsch? Yeah, aber nicht so gut. No, I'm just kidding. I, that's all I know in German. <laughs> but I've got a word for you this morning, and I wrestle with these things with God, and I have a dialogue with him throughout the week, both in Scripture and by his Holy Spirit. And I'm like, I, I want to uh, miss out on presenting everything out of my own mind, but I want to be included on your mind, God, and what you have to say. And, and so 
And so as I wrestled with this word, I just started to get a stirring inside of me and became more and more aware that, that this is for you. And I came in and I began to communicate to our V1 dream team. Whoop, whoop. And uh, they were here early in the morning and, and sweating through shirts and everything. And we bring clothes and we have hangers on the back where we're hanging our clothes so we can go change in the bathroom so we don't look cr like crazy people when you get here. And, and we're setting all this stuff up. And I told him, I said, I'm going to deal with the words. I'm tired. And everyone was just like, yes, Lord, let revival begin. So I know that God's definitely got something for you, but, um, but it's not just you and it's not just Long Island. It is, in fact, most of the world, okay? And you know how I know that? Because I Googled it. But here's something messed up. You can try this if you want, if you want to fact check me, okay? Especially the millennials who are like, I don't believe you unless it's on Google because Google's God, right? But if you start to type in the phrase, why am, this is what it populates in Google. Why am I so tired? This, this is my favorite though. Like, why am I so hungry? That's my wife, right? Like 99% of all of our marital arguments can actually be completely eliminated if I just hand her food, yeah. right? She just said, preach, there's your validation. And I finally, after 11 years of marriage and like 15 years of being together, realized this and I'm like, she's not talking to me, something's wrong. And then, I'm, and then finally, my advanced husband brain kicked in and I said, babe, are you hungry? And she's like, yes. <laughs> So apparently she's not the only one. Why am I so cold? Which is not a problem for me as a hairy Italian male. Not, not a problem. But this is my favorite one. And I'm like, how is there so many search queries for this that it auto-populates on Google? Why am I crying in the club? <laughs> what? Why am I crying? No, here's the thing. That's a great question. Why are you crying in the club? But the even better question is, why are you Googling why am I crying in the club? That is a drunk Google. Evan's laughing behind me. Why am I crying in the club? So maybe during this message this morning, God is going to reveal to you or those of you listening why you are in fact crying in the club. And if someone ever asked you, why am I crying in the club? You're like, I've got a sermon on that. <laughs> For those of you who are taking notes, you could type, you could write in that word, I am tired, or type it in your phone. We're gonna deal with this phrase, I am tired. The medical community is actually calling this era that we're in a sleep deprivation crisis. Come on. Getting enough sleep, according to the medical community, is actually a matter of life and death. I had a friend recently fall asleep at the wheel and have a car accident and broke his arm. You know, it, it's literally affecting our cognitive abilities. You know, the, the thing that benefits most in your body biologically when you sleep is your frontal lobe, which is where most of your decision making and creativity or originates. And so by cutting and reducing sleep, you're actually affecting yourself biologically. And, and we live in this era of sleep dep deprivation. They're calling it a crisis. You know, it, it's funny, and I want to say this, we're getting sleep, but we're not getting good sleep, and alcohol-induced sleep doesn't count. I'm just going to throw that out. That was free. You can write that in your notes. This is not good sleep. It just feels like it is. Okay? Stop taking communion at midnight in your house and trying to get good sleep, you know? I don't know who that was for, but if you throw a rock in a pack of dogs, <laughs> that's what we say in Hillbilly Talk. If that hits you... Just receive it from God, okay? 
You are not helping your sleep deprivation by taking communion, in air quotes, at midnight. But God wants to give you a real rest, because that is a rest. And I love what the, the Bible says in this text that we just read. It says, I'll give you a real rest. Because there's a difference between drinking yourself to sleep and actually getting a real rest. Don't make me start preaching. You're telling me to come on. I'm going to come on. <laughs> there's an overworked mother of three that I was reading an interview. She said that she has become the most militant time manager possible to the point where she, when she microwaves food, she taps one 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 two 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 three 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 instead of three zero zero two zero zero because it saves more time to hit the same number three times. That's full-blown psychopath. Being a mother of three will drive you to that point of trying to be that economic with your time, am I right? And you know, I wrestle with this because the more I, the longer I live here and the more I get in touch with your lives, I said, God, you know, I am not afraid to rebuke them. I'm not afraid to call them out. I'm not afraid to show them areas of discipline in their life where they're suffering for the lack of discipline or the net lack of knowledge in their life. But I feel like there is a genuine tiredness and a genuine fatigue by sometimes things that we cannot control. Ask a new mother, why don't you just be more disciplined with your time and you will get slapped in the face. <laughs> and I asked God, I said, God, give me the root of this issue to my people, these people at V1 Church. And he gave me the title of this message, and you can write this down in your notes. It's this, the quest for perfection. The quest for perfection. Spending a lot of energy looking like we have it all together, right? The quest for perfection is both what motivates and demotivates you. It is both your problem and your solution. The quest for perfection. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever started a diet and you are on the quest for the perfect you? And then because you're on a diet, it forces you into this crazy, ravenous state of hunger that causes you to have three times the caloric intake come in at three in the morning, and now you're typing into Google, why am I crying in the club? <laughs> am I the only one? <laughs> I mean, there's just something about this quest for physical perfection that makes it worse, not better. Like, I'm the only dude who can start a diet and gain weight. Am I the only one out there? Can somebody help me? <laughs> <laughs> my wife, she's like me. I'm like, we're so compatible. Let's get a box of Oreos. <laughs> I love you, bae. That's not on the do not use word list, but the quest for perfection can actually be demotivating. I'm so tired of trying to look like I got it all together. My kids cry in public. You know, Bella was the perfect kid. God gave us the perfect one first to dupe us into having another one. And then Everly came out, and I'm like, what? We need to baptize this child twice. The water was all black when we brought her up. <laughs> and, and you're just like, I read all the parenting books, and none of them work on her. <laughs> but you have this quest for perfection, and so sometimes on that quest, you actually become less perfect. And, you, and so part of our tiredness in life is the tiredness and the fatigue of trying to go on this quest for perfection. And you know, here's, here's what's exhausting, okay? Let me exhaust you right now. Living up to others' expectations is exhausting. Yeah. 
living up to other people's expectations is exhausting. Here's another one. Hiding things from your spouse is exhausting. All right, now I'm going to throw another rock, all right? If you can't hand your phone to your wife and not secretly be freaking out in the back of your mind, that's exhausting. Sometimes our own sin is exhausting us. You know, I don't even have a passcode on my phone, so if somebody steals it, they're going to get a real hookup. But here's the thing. The reason why I don't have one is because I don't need one. Because I got you will get saved and baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost reading my phone. Something will start to happen to you. you someone will steal my phone thinking they did something bad and, and call me back on it speaking in tongues. <laughs> Hiding is exhausting. And some of us in this place are hiding. And, and what I love about this church is there's so many people who have stopped hiding and they come to me and they're like, Pastor Mike, I'm dealing with this. Now excommunicate me from the church. I'm like, are you kidding? I'm about to give you the biggest hug I ever gave you and we're gonna do life together because now we have a real relationship because you stopped hiding. You don't have a real marriage if you're hiding. I didn't have a real marriage when I was hiding and didn't wanna give up the phone. You know what else is exhausting? Trying to act like you've got a good marriage when you don't. Now I'm not saying go out and fight in the Walmart and, and get on the peopleofwalmart.com because you had a throwdown. But I'm talking, there comes a time where you've got to tell people, hey, for all intensive reasons, it would look like the thing I need to project to, for because of my job, because of my business is this perfect marriage, but I've got to just reveal to you and you know, something that we always say in leadership, especially in the church, is that you confess upward and you counsel downward. And what that means is like, you don't want to be confessing this way because these people will use that information and they'll kill you with it. Have you ever had that happen? You're like, oh, I finally came clean and confessed it. Well, you confessed it to the wrong person. Now you got a knife in your back. Oh man, that's too much truth, isn't it? Now, sometimes when we go into truth mode, you can say, well, uh-huh, come on, preach. And you can go full out there, full gospel. But you know, you will confess things to people sometimes thinking that it's helping, but it'll hurt. But if you confess to the right person, it could be your very deliverance. Here's something else. It's exhausting. Just doing life in the 21st century. I would love to give the Apostle Paul an iPhone 7 Plus and drop him off on Long Island and come back in two weeks and be like, how you doing? Apostle Paul. And I bet you he'd be like, man, I had to go into some serious prayer and fasting for this one. <laughs> you know, what it meant to be alive and normal in the Apostle Paul's time was it, it actually the expectations that were on their life was crazy. It was a, it was a lot like our time. It maybe was different rules, but did you know that if you were in the religious community, and they had Pharisees and Sadducees that represented the Jewish religious community at that time, that they actually had 613 rules and expectations for your life. 613. So when you are trying to live according to those rules and expectations, do you think that their entire society was hitting a home run every week? No way. And then as society changed, they were literally making more rules and new rules. And so the expectations on their life was absolutely crazy. And then Jesus shows up and was like, hey, I got a couple for you. I just got a couple of rules. Love your neighbor as you love yourself and love your God above everything else. And that was highly offensive and highly rebellious to say something like that to people who were professional rule givers. But you know, 
no matter how hard you try imposing those rules on yourself, you're just going to end up exhausted. And so let me read this again from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says this, are you tired? You know who he was talking to? He was talking to a whole bunch of people who were in a society that were struggling to look like they were following all of those rules. They were struggling on a daily basis. They had these impure hearts that were like, I just, okay, I got 611 of those rules right today, but there were two of them I messed up. I got 432 of those rules right today of our society and our culture and our religious organization, but I missed like a good 180 of them. And so he's talking to that audience where he says, are you tired? And they're like, I'm tired of fronting, Jesus. I can't, I, can't. I, I, want, I love God. I promise I love God, but I know it doesn't look like it. I know it doesn't seem like it in my life. He goes, okay, are you worn out? Yeah, I, I'm, t I'm just worn out. I'm worn out by religion, the traditions of man who've given me these standards I can't live by. He said, are you just burned out by that religion? I'm burned out by it. Are there people on Long Island who are burned out by religion? I mean, are there people on Long Island who've been burned out by religion? Are there some people who are like, man, you know what? Let's just do the us for no more, the frozen chosen, and just meet in our house and just call because I am so burned out by religion, right? Let's just forsake a large gathering because there's too many variables in that. I might get hurt again. And you know what? Let's just keep it. Let's just try to control the environment. Jesus was looking at these people who were burned out. He said, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. And I think the reason why he had to say you'll recover your life is because they were at risk of losing it. And for someone in this room right now, I think there's an invitation by Christ to recover your life because you might not realize that you're in the crossroads right now. And if you continue on the way that you are, you'll be gone and you'll be out of the game and, and you'll be able to reference back today and say, God stood in the crossroads and did everything he could to prevent this from happening and give me real rest, but I kept going for the counterfeit. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Have you ever tried to force a rhythm in your life? Have you ever tried to force a routine in your life? Am I the only one that's like, this week, I'm going to do my week just like this. On paper, it works out fine. And you get to Tuesday and you're like, I'm done trying to force this rhythm. And then Jesus says there's these unforced rhythms of grace. I almost imagine a picture of a wave of an ocean. And there are these unforced rhythms of grace where it's like right when you feel like you're in a dry and a thirsty land, this wave of grace just begins to roll in on the shore and begins to saturate. And then it withdraws. And when you feel like there's another wave needed, another rhythm of grace comes and begins to saturate your life again. And there's never a need that goes unmet because God has you in this rhythm of grace. And some of you are not, not, not sucked in and caught into the rhythms of grace in your life, but you're actually su stuck in a cycle of the quest for perfection. And that's the opposite of the rhythm of grace. I love what Jesus says when he says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And you know why he had to use the word learn? Because it's not something natural to you. What's natural to you is to buck up against that rhythm of grace and keep trying to do it your own way over and over and over again and get sucked right back into the cycle of perfection. But he says, come on, I'm going to teach you a rhythm of grace. And he says, I won't lay anything on you heavy or ill-fitting. But here's the thing. He didn't say you couldn't put it on yourself. He says, I won't put it on you. 
I won't give you anything ill-fitting or anything too heavy for you, but it doesn't mean that you won't put it on yourself and end up crying in the club. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely. There's that word learn again. There's that word learn. Keep company with me. Let me ask you this. Who have you been keeping company with? Who have you been keeping company with? Keep company with me, says Jesus, and I will teach you the unforced rhythms of grace. I stood in this bathroom in the back that I pretend is a green room. And I was getting dressed after loading. And I was putting on this awesome jacket that I got today. Somebody gave it to me as a gift. And I was looking in the mirror. And I was thinking about this word this morning. I looked in the mirror and I just saw a flash of that phrase, unforced rhythms of grace. I just began to cry in there. And I said, God, on my best day, I'm not good enough to be the lead pastor of this church. I know my past and my failures and where I've been. And yet I just keep watching the unforced rhythms of grace like tides roll into my life and carry me to these destinations. It's taken me to other countries to speak and I've watched God change people's lives and heal them physically and miracles take place. These tides continue to roll in and just transport me into these different seasons of my life and I have this marriage that I didn't think was possible at certain points in my marriage and I just, I see these unforced rhythms of grace. I've been able to go into these these prisons and preach to guys, you know, knowing that my dad was a murderer and he was in prison and no one ever preached the gospel. And I see this, this quest for, for, for uh, perfection just come crashing down and God just restore it with a rhythm of grace. And I just said, God, how could this be other than your mighty hand? And if you're here today and all you see is the problem, if all of you, all you see is the tragedy still, it's an invitation this morning to come into a new kind of rest. Is there anyone here who needs that kind of rest? You know, the problem is that too often we find our importance in being busy. The problem is it's too easy to put all of our identity in the things that we do and find our importance there. But something that came over me and I had to learn this lesson, you know, a couple years ago is that the ultimate title for my life will be son and that's it. And for you, it'll be daughter, it'll be son. And you might preach a sermon along the way, and that might make you a preacher for an hour. But if you don't know that you're an actual son and don't have the real connection and relationship to God, then you will build your identity in what you're doing and not who you are. And you know what? I might sing a good song. I might sing No Longer a Slave, right? And, and I may be a worship leader for the 20 minutes that I lead worship. But if I'm not a son and there isn't an identity deeper than that title and a title deeper than that title then I will find myself sucked back into the quest for perfection oh I've got to sing this song better and I become a puppet on a string to the spirit of religion because I'm like the people won't approve of me if I make a mistake on this song because all I am is a worship leader or if I get up to preach that message and I say a couple words wrong and I slip up and all my delivery isn't the best delivery, I've got to come back and do even better next week because I live and die by their approval. But when you know that you are a son, nobody can take that away from you. When you know that you're a daughter of the Most High, nobody can take that away from you. You seriously become untouchable. And along the way, I might serve coffee and be a barista. But my identity ain't in that barista position. I might drive a, a box truck down the street, but I'm not a truck driver. 
I'm a son driving a truck for my dad. I'm a son pouring a cup of coffee and serving it unto the Lord. There's something that God wants to root in your identity this morning because once you come into the fullness of the knowledge of who you are and whose you are, then this quest for perfection will begin to melt off of you like a layer, like a crusty mask, and you'll begin to settle into a real rest. Settle into a real rest. You know, maybe you're a parent here. I want to tell you the bad news about being a parent. It's a temporary assignment. So if you're a mom or a dad here and you've put all your identity into, I am the best dad and the best mom ever, you want me to tell you the bad news? That's a temporary assignment. And you're like, no, I'm always gonna be a dad, I'm always gonna be a mom. Guess what, they're gonna grow up and they're gonna leave the house, hopefully. It might happen at 34, you know? It just keeps slipping back. The never ending age of adolescence, right? Here in New York, it's like forever. <laughs> you're like, just lock that door downstairs, don't look at me, you know? but. But the thing is, you have to have more of an identity than just even being a mom or a dad. You have to be a son or a daughter. Is your exhaustion tied to this love tank that you have with a hole in it? And people come and fill that love tank with affirmation. They fill that love tank with words. They fill that love tank with physical affection. But because there's a hole in it, it's never enough to make you feel full. Come and find real rest. Come and find real rest today. God wants to restore in you the knowledge that you work from your identity, not for it. God wants to restore in you the knowledge that you work in this life from your true identity as a son or daughter, not for it. You know, slaves work for something, but sons and daughters work from it from the father's house, from the identity of who my dad is. I now live and move and breathe and he makes a way where there seems to be no way because he's ultimately in charge and I'm his. You think God's gonna treat you worse than you treat your cell phone? You think God's gonna treat you worse? Our cell phone is one of our prized possessions and we put it in a case and we get ticked if we drop it and we guard it and we check our pockets over and over to make it's there. You think that God's gonna treat you any less than a cell phone? You are his, you are his, you are his. And when you know whose you are, everything in your life changes. Now here's what I wanna tell you. For those of you who are saying, I'm tired. The word that God has for you this morning is push. I don't think that God's denying your tiredness. I've watched Julie go through childbirth twice. The second time she had made the commitment, I'm gonna do it without any drugs. That is next level. And I had a front row seat because somehow I got the job to deliver Everly. And that's gross. <laughs> it's sick. We had a midwife and I showed up. She was like, all right, dad, are you ready? Take the position, you're doing that. And I was like, what? <laughs> and Julie, as she was going through the stages of childbirth, she began to like scream. I mean, it was like the pain threshold. She reached this point where it was like a 10 on a 10 scale. And so as she was like screaming out, the midwife was saying, don't use the scream for anything other than your push. And I feel like there's somebody in this place that is, there's this next level. You keep hitting the pain threshold. You keep hitting the same place in life where you feel the same level of pain and you're literally screaming out agony, not knowing that your destiny is on the other side of that push. Can you say the word push? Yeah. 
You say it again, push. Your destiny is on the other side of pushing through this pain threshold. Now, the reason why you cry in the club is because every time you reach this stage in your life where things don't work out, where your friends betray you, when you lose your job, when your finances don't work out, instead of pushing, you scream. And you use the pain to release it through your vocal cord when you should be releasing it through your gut. And the word of the Lord today is push. Push through the tiredness. Push through the tiredness. Push through the obstacles. Push through the pain. Push. That's the word because on the other side of that push is your destiny. And the reason why you're crying in the club is because when you've hit this pain threshold before, that's when you go to drinking. When you hit this pain threshold, that's when you go back to the addiction. That's when you go to the infidelity. And most people that I counsel that have had infidelity in their marriage, they are cheating out of the need for comfort. They are so busy in life that they feel like they have earned the right to find relief in a place other than their marriage. Most of the people that I talk to that have addictions don't just like to do drugs. They actually like to escape pain. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? They are trying to escape the pain. They're just not recreational. I like to have experiences. They're like, I like to have an experience other than the pain. And, and we sit on our ivory throne of judgment and look down at the addicts not realizing while we're tapping through our phone we're escaping the, the, the pain too. And that we're closeted and we're hidden and we're addicted to something too. And this is a call out to every single person in this room, every single person listening to this message that today can be your day of real rest, but you've got to learn the rhythms of grace. You've exhausted yourself escaping this stage over and over. Man, I thank God for people who have surrounded me, man. You know, even in the medical, secular medical community, they actually say that if you want to break through into the next level, you have to surround yourself with people who believe and will continue to push you in that area of, of freedom. And there's such a tremendous value in coming back to church every Sunday, hearing these messages and having people cheerlead you through the next level. Because guess what? Some of you got some friends that are the very reason why you hit that re reset button because they're the very ones telling you, let's go back out and hit the button again because they need, a, they need company for that sin. And yet when you come into the house of God, you need somebody cheerleading you outside of that cycle. Now, let me read you something. It's in Matthew chapter 26, verse 34, or 36 through 38 roundabout. It says, then Jesus, and you can write this down and kind of look into it later this week, went with them to a garden called Gethsemane and told his disciples, stay here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he plunged into an agonizing sorrow. Then he said, this sorrow is crushing my life out. Stay here and keep vigil with me. This is Jesus talking. That's pretty brutal language. Do you imagine the son of God talking like that? Going a little ahead, he fell on his face praying, my father, if there is any way to get out of this, but please, not what I want, you, what do you want? There was a championing, cha like a champion being made in this, in this moment. Jesus was going to the final stage. He was pushing past the pain threshold. When he came back to his disciples, he found them asleep. He said to Peter, yo, can't you stick out with me just like a single hour? Stay alert, be in prayer so that you don't wander into temptation without even knowing you're in danger. Hello. 
there's a part of you that is eager, ready for anything in God, but there's another part of you that is as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. He then left them a second time. Again, he prayed, my father, if there is no other way than this, drinking this cup to the dregs, I'm ready. Say, I'm ready. Do it your way. When he came back, he again found them asleep. And, and when you look at this picture, this is right before Jesus gets ready to go to the cross and have his finest moment. The, his entire life culminated to the cross. And this is the moments right before the cross. And you have Jesus representing greatness and you have the disciples representing mediocrity. Because the disciples they stopped at the, th the pain threshold. They stopped at that moment where they're like, I'm tired, I I'm tired. And Jesus didn't say, don't be tired. He said, don't go to sleep. Do you hear what I'm saying? And he told them, if you would stay at one more hour, if you would just pray, intercede, can't you go through that pain threshold? But Jesus said, you know what? Though they don't go, I'm going all the way. And that's when the most powerful moment in the New Testament, according to me, happened. Jesus, as a representative of greatness, used this phrase in another translation in the book of Luke. And these words have just been echoing in my soul all week for you. It's in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. In other words, he was saying, God, if there's any way other than dying on the cross and being mutilated, being beaten, being completely just racked into raw meat, shredded raw meat and hung up on a cross and pierced with a spear in my side. If there's any other way to go through that, let it be so. I'm giving you permission right now, God. Have you ever had prayed a prayer like that? God, if there's any other way, let it be so. But something settled into his heart. And this is the word that's the will of the Father for you. It's the word nevertheless. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And you know what the word nevertheless means? When Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours, it says in spite of. Nevertheless means in spite of. And so as Jesus was in his finest, most agonizing hour, he just declared the word nevertheless. And here's what I, I believe that you have to speak out of your mouth this morning is the phrase, nevertheless. I'm tired, my job has beat me up, I'm burned out by religion, my best friends have turned their back on me, but nevertheless, I'm going all the way this time. Is there anyone in this place who will just say, I'm ready to go all the way today? Is there anyone who said, I'm not gonna use the curse words, I'm tired and I feel like quitting and I wanna give up anymore, but we'll say, I'm gonna say what Jesus said, even in agonizing sorrow. It said that he felt like his spear was being crushed within him. But then what happened is he revealed the word nevertheless. And what you do when you're tired determines whether you are great or mediocre. What you do when the odds are against you and it looks like all hell is breaking loose in your life determines whether or not greatness is truly locked up inside of you. And you don't know what something contains until it's squeezed. And right now that you've been, the squeeze has been put down on you in life. Some of you in this room, you're dealing with the tragic past of being raped. You're dealing with the tragic past of being abandoned by parents who should have loved you. You're dealing with the tragic past of being raised in debilitating poverty. 
And all these excuses and all these reasons why, some of them valid, some of them things that we've actually done to ourselves and put the heavy load on our own shoulders. And you're now in that garden of Gethsemane and, 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 and the weight of the world feels like it's crushing you. And, and my invitation today into real rest is gonna start with you saying one word, one phrase, nevertheless. Would you just stand to your feet with me this morning? Nevertheless. It's time to reverse the curse that you've spoken out of your mouth that you're too tired. You know, if you're anything like me in this place, the, the, the deck has been stacked against you in life and you've gone through some crazy, crazy things. And you know, this morning we left early and I was going through my closet and because we just moved, there's kind of stuff that hasn't gotten situated in all the right places. And I looked into my closet and I saw this teddy bear that I had when I was growing up. And his name was, I named him at three years old, I named him Big Daddy. <laughs> And it's weird. That's weird, isn't it? <laughs> and I looked at this teddy bear, and, and, I, and I was looking at this teddy bear, and I was thinking about this message, and I was thinking about the word nevertheless. And you know, there was a good like couple of years where my parents were divorced, and it was early on in my life, and they had joint custody, which means that I had to spend like weekends with my father, and I had to spend the weeks with my mom. And I was looking at that, that bear, and I'm like, man, that bear survived a lot, of a lot of movement, a lot of transition. That thing's been through a lot, and, I, and it kind of has been like a symbol to me of all the stuff that I've went through. And I think that sometimes when you go through a lot in life, it would even be justifiable to quit. Is that okay to say that? There's some people that if they just sat in a corner and cried and I told you the horror and the nightmare that they survived, you say, you just keep crying in that corner. Maybe it's justifiable. You know what I'm saying? There's some people in this room that I'm not trying to take away the validity of your tiredness because you've been through hell. But what I'm saying is the way through all the way is the phrase nevertheless. Yes, you've been to hell, but the way through hell is nevertheless. And if you will say that word today, nevertheless, you will become more like your heavenly father, Jesus, who didn't even want to go to the cross in his flesh. And then you can say, I've been crucified with Christ and no longer I live, but he lives through me. And so today, the way to freedom is through that word nevertheless. And I want to tell you this. In, in science, there is this law that every action is met with an equal or greater reaction, okay? And so what that means is that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. So every single action has a greater or equal reaction. And right now, what I'm going to ask you to do is make an action step to say, I'm about to move right now. Nevertheless, is about to be a word that's manifested in movement. When you look at all these people who set up in the morning and they, they do, they proclaim the gospel and they're giving out invite cards for our church. We're saying, I'm going to move in this region so that God will react and respond to what we're doing here in this place. And so what happens is that when, you're, when your outcome isn't your desired outcome, it's because the, the, the input that you had was not, what was not greater than the outcome that you required. And so what happens is like, if you're working out, you're not getting the results that you want in your body, it's because your input does not match the desired output. Does that make sense? And so when you ask yourself, why has there, there been change in my life? You've got to change your input.
And here's something else that we were looking at this week. There is a law in nature that says that things in motion want to stay in motion and things that are immobile, that are static, that are fixed, want to stay that way. And so sometimes God will come along and give you a really healthy push. Sometimes when you don't have the will to do it yourself, there will be a spiritual midwife who's standing there saying, Julie, there's a baby inside of you with its own destiny, and you're using all that pain to scream, but I'm going to tell you the right thing to do is to push right now. So next time you feel like you want to holler, that's called a contraction. So what's happening right now in your life is the pain that you're feeling is actually what God would call a contraction because there is a destiny and a hope and a future for you. And every action has a greater or equal reaction. And so if you continue to scream, you're not going to have the outcome that you want. But if you'll take that scream and manifest it in a push right now and say, nevertheless, then on the other side, you will have what you want to have. You will have the destiny for your life. And so what I'm going to ask you to do right now with every eye closed. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.